All right, it's time for another edition of the Miami Sports Pod. Will Manso, Clay Ferraro here getting you uh, ready for some heat basketball this week and hopefully, Clay, the return of Jimmy Butler, Avery Bradley, uh, Tyler Hero, who's been out with a neck injury, and all the uncertainty surrounding this team. But while fans are panicking over the results, and trust me, it's not fun to watch the Heat lose and lose close games, the emergence of Bam at a bio clay as this star player, not just all-star, but star player, is what we could take away. How impressive are, are you with what Bam has been able to do uh, in the absence of Jimmy and just taking over this team in big moments? Blown away. And, and I'm not sure who, who posted this, so forgive me, but somebody posted on Twitter that I guess he is shooting in the 94th percentile off the dribble, which is absolutely incredible when you yeah. look back at, at who he was in the last couple of years. And, you know, if there was – I don't even want to call it a knock, but if there was a limitation in his game where everybody kept saying, okay, well, if he can do this, then he's going to unlock the, the potential that, that we all know is in there. And it was that jump shot. And, and it was the, the mid-range, the step back, and, heck, he's even hitting three-pointers now. But he's, he's doing it at a level, Will, that it, it's no longer just that teams have to respect it and, and then come out on him and then he's going to drive past him and dunk. But it's efficient. He's making it, like, a lot. Yeah. And, and that's – it's the product of off-season work. But, I, Will, I, I, think, I think we all knew that he would work on it in the off-season because that's just who he is. I don't think anybody could have anticipated that, that he would hit it with such frequency and efficiency like he has to this point. And, and I'm anxious to see, you know, what comes next now that teams have to step out on. I mean, are they just going to let him go right to the rim and dunk? It's – I don't know how you stop him if he's able to keep doing this consistently. And the thing is, he's done it consistently. Uh, and he had that explosion against the Nets over the weekend for the 41, a career high. He's done it consistently without Jimmy Butler running and dictating the team and the offense and the ball going through Jimmy and attacking and all the things that a healthy Jimmy Butler brings. He's done it without the option of giving it to Tyler and Tyler showing his ability this year to attack and finish along with the shooting and the facilitating and the growth that we saw before he hurt his neck. He's done it on a team where he has this right now. Let's be honest, Clay. I mean, he is the leader of what is essentially a lottery team right now. The way this team is structured with all those guys out, this is probably a team that, you know, obviously the good news is that he don't have to worry about that for much longer. But as it's composed now, this is a lottery type team, you know, with Bam leading the way. And he's sitting there with all the attention being on him and he's dominating and he's showing that ability. So when they get Jimmy Butler back, which they will, and when they get Avery Bradley back who provides that leadership, the defense, the shooting, which they will, and when they get Tyler back and he continues to grow, which he will, what are defenses, what are teams going to do against Bam? And what I love is what he finally said over the weekend, you know, the first game to Brooklyn was, look, I know I have to be more aggressive and I just have to come out that way and what you have to hope as a Heat fan Clay is that he's not only going to do that until they get everybody back but he's going to do that when they get everybody back as well he even alluded to that after the game he said you know I I know my teammates feed off me they give me a lot of positive energy and he also kind of joked hey uh, Tyler and Jimmy are going to tell me to go for 40 again when they come back and it was partially joking but I don't think it's joking and you know, Will, I, it's not that Bam has ever lacked for confidence. I think the thing in his head is kind of what we saw, you know, for instance, when LeBron first got here, we talk about it all the time, that 
sometimes he sometimes he tries to make the right quote unquote basketball play and and the efficient play and the one that's gonna you know get your teammate an open three whatever and and I think what Bam is is starting to realize is that sometimes him just shooting it is the right basketball play and and it took LeBron a little while even down here to to figure that out and obviously they're they're much different players but. You know, I think what Bam is starting to see is not only can he do this, but him doing it may in fact be the team's best option when Duncan Robinson isn't wide open. But, you know, and you go back to that game, excuse me, against Brooklyn on, we're recording this on Sunday night. This is the one on Saturday night. And Kevin Durant made it very clear after the game that their game plan was to keep Duncan Robinson from beating them and, and knock the other shooters off their spots, but they didn't, they weren't nearly as fearful as the, uh, of the other shooters as they were of, of Duncan, and, and with good reason. I, I think we have to start seeing, moving forward with this team, is that, yeah, Jimmy Butler is going to be a very important option. Duncan Robinson shooting a three-pointer may be your best offensive option in, in this Heat offense. But second or third, maybe Bam just doing what he's been doing until somebody comes over and doubles him, as opposed to Bam just kind of, you know, making the next pass throughout the course of the offense. Maybe now he's starting to see that, that him being the selfish guy at times may be the right play. Yeah, and, and I think that's why, look, uh, Clay, uh, we say this, and it sounds like we're being positive about a Heat team with a losing record that's on the outside looking into the playoff race 15, 16 games in the season. I get it. I get people don't want constant positivity about a team that right now isn't playing good basketball as far as results go. But we understand why they're not playing good basketball. Yes, there are things they do within these games, even with the players they have, that's frustrating. The turnovers, obviously, something we've talked about in the pod a lot. And, and the mistakes that they've made, whether it be physical or mental, I get it. That's frustrating. But we know a lot of that is a product of not having their key player out there in moments to calm them. How many times did you and I have discussions of last year during the run, whether it was the regular season or in the bubble, of Jimmy Butler being that calming force when a team goes on a run, getting to the free throw line, making the right basketball play? The Heat haven't had that in a couple weeks. You know, they just haven't. And Tyler Hero, the growth that he's had, the ability to finish Tyler time in the fourth quarters, the Heat haven't had that now for about a week. And it will likely be a little bit longer until he gets back. The emergence, hopefully, of having a guy like Avery Bradley. These are just things that you can't just discard as, oh, the Heat stink. This isn't a good team. The bubble was a fluke. Now, in a month and a half, two months, if we're having a conversation of the Heat with a losing record and they're not playing good basketball and they're turning the ball over a lot, and they're losing close games, then, yeah, then you could sit there and say maybe the construction of this team for some reason isn't working. But I just don't foresee that. And that's why – when I look at the bad of the last couple of weeks, and trust me, there's been plenty of bad and frustration, the emergence of Bam, the admitting of Bam to say, hey, I have to be that guy, and him just doing it instead of saying it, to me can only bode well for the Heat as the season continues. Again, this team will be together, and Bam will be a center point and a center piece of it. I just don't get the constant negativity from Heat fans with what's going on right now. Yeah, and it's two different conversations. Are are the guys who are on the floor making mistakes that they have no business making at times? Yes, yes, the turnovers are bad. And Kelly Olenek's struggles over the last few games have been really tough to watch in particular. I mean, when he's out there, part of the reason why he's out there, perhaps the biggest reason why he's out there, is when he's wide open at three-point line, he needs to be able to make those shots. Because the, the element that he adds is he's going to force your big man to come out. 
And, and if he's not hitting those wide open threes, like he's not doing right now, yeah. then it's, it's, it's a problem. And now maybe you say that, okay, once they get all of their guys back, he's not playing quite as many minutes, but it's two different conversations where you can at the same time be frustrated by the turnovers, be yeah. frustrated by the just silly mistakes, be frustrated by the poor production from guys that, that you really are going to need production from regardless of, of who does come back. Yeah. But on the flip side, also understand that the losses may have come anyway when you're missing two of your four best players. And, yeah. you know, so, so I think moving forward, it's okay. When you bring those guys back and you add in the BAM that we're starting to see, I guess the hope is that you look back at this stretch and say the ceiling for this team has risen to a new level because you're adding back guys that you, you already know are known quantities and are going to help you. But then you're adding in a Bam Adebayo who's, who's better than we saw in the bubble last year, which is saying quite a bit because there were certainly stretches uh, in the Eastern conference finals in particular, when he was the best player on the floor. Um, So yeah, it's it's two different conversations. Feel free to be frustrated by the losses. Feel free to be frustrated by the the constant unforced errors and um, heck, even Spo is. I mean, look at look at Spo's face on the sideline sometimes. Yeah, I mean, he he looks like I know he's a dad now, and and you and I are both dads. Like he just gets that look on his face when you have told your child something a hundred times and they've done it wrong a hundred, like they've gone against you a hundred times. Disappointment of God, you should know this by now. We've exactly. this a hundred times. And I, look, there's another frustrating part too, Clay, to watching the heat right now. And this is the old, you and I, when Dookie would be on the pod and we had these conversations, this is the old, uh, you know, I'm about to say, I don't mean it as disrespect, but I'm <laughs> disrespectful. Look, Gabe Vincent shouldn't be in key moments in the fourth quarter. He just shouldn't. Gabe Vincent right. shouldn't be getting big minutes right now on a contending team like the Heat. He's a, he's a nice young player who's worked hard to get into the NBA, and the Heat really like him, but he's not a guy that you really can count on right now, and the Heat are having to count on him. Why? Well, obviously because with Tyler and Jimmy out, you don't want to overplay, and, and Spoh's already referenced it. You don't want to play too many heavy minutes for Goran Dragic because last year, one of the beauties of – what the Heat did last year. When people talk about where the Heat a fluke in the bubble and all that silliness, one of the things that was a benefit to the Heat is, even as the season went on last year pre-pandemic, the Heat were trying to be very careful with Goran. There were times they weren't able to because he's such a big part of their team in closing moments that he would play a lot of minutes. But when they could, they'd be careful with Goran. Then you had the big stretch of time off, you know, obviously with the pandemic and the uncertainty of the season. Then you get in the bubble and you play that short amount of games and then all of a sudden you start the playoffs and Spo says, hey, Gorn, you're my point guard. And we saw what a difference Gorn made with fresh legs, with the ability to kind of have that, that role of, like, hey, I'm the guy from the start and the finish. The Heat would love to do that again. Unfortunately, with all the injuries, they're not in that position. So they're trying to mix and match, give Gabe Vincent minutes, whatever they can. You know, you see Max Struess out there playing minutes to try to save time from Duncan and others. This is just a product of this weird NBA season. At some point, every team will have to go through bouts of this. It's just common sense, unfortunately, in not playing in a bubble and with the way COVID is, teams will go through this. Unfortunately for the Heat, they're one of the first teams to have to deal with it. You know, the Wizards started this all 
teams that played the Wizards like the Sixers and, you know, the Celtics had their issues. Now the Heat, teams have had to deal with this. For the Heat, it's been a little prolonged and it's been key players too. And I joked the other day, I was on the set the other day with Ron Rostein and I said, you know, he was talking about eight guys is enough, you know, of playing with eight guys and all that mindset. And then he looks at me, he goes, well, boy, it'd be nice if you could pick your eight. You know what I mean? Like it's that's a great point. If you could that's pick your eight, you had, yeah. If you could say Jimmy and Bam and Gord, you know, it, that's one thing. But when you have to play guys like Gabe and Max Struess and extend the minutes for Precious Achua, it's just very difficult to expect continuity and consistency. And we're just not seeing it right now from the Heat. Yeah, and well, I'm looking at the the playoff standings as we're sitting here, and, and I'm not doing this because we're like trying to oh well if the season ended today and and all that stuff. Um, but the Heat are currently in 13th place in the Eastern Conference, right? They're also two games out of sixth, and and so the way things are lining up, the teams who are ahead of them, some of the ones are Charlotte, Orlando, Chicago, the Knicks, and the Cavaliers. And so, like, when you're sitting here, and, and again, you and I are not trying to paint some sort of rosy picture about what's going on. It's been an ugly product on the field, on, on the court, for, for much of this first quarter point of the season. But, like, it's, it's going to get better. And I think in this weird year, it's, okay, get to the playoffs. We don't know at this point how many, if any, fans are going to be at games. I don't think you can say there's going to be a, a home court advantage. Like, say, say a team has, I don't know, 5,000 in their building, 3,000 in their building. Is that really a home court advantage? Yeah. So I'm saying all this, again, not to be Pollyanna here, but if you get to the sixth seed, it's really no different than getting a three seed. The way these playoffs are, are set up, you're going to have to play somebody fairly decent among the, you know, because your top six are going to be Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Boston, Brooklyn likely Miami, and then either Toronto, Indiana. Like, that's a good six or seven teams. Yeah. And as and long as you're in that group, yeah, you're going to have to play another one. Yeah. And so, like, last year we started the I whole think, conversation. The bubble, like, they had to face the Pacers right away. Now, they ended up sweeping right. them, but that's a good team to face. Then you have to go and take on the Bucs, and you beat them. And then you got to take on the right. Celtics. I think people kind of discard what the, he did last year with this whole bubble fluke thing. Any team in the East is going to have to do the same thing this year to get to the finals. Yeah, and so I guess what you and I are saying right now is, again, things have been ugly, but in this weird year, and, and what is probably going to shape up to be a fairly weird playoffs, it'll be a little bit closer to normal compared to the bubble, no, but no, no. not really in the home court advantage isn't going to mean quite what it has in the past. Get to the top six. Get into the top six, and, and if you get there, then it's really not going to make much of a difference. Outside of being the one seed and playing a, a relatively weak eight, it's really not going to matter where you are in that top six or seven. So you know, if he can get to that point, and, and look, we hope that, that you know, everybody who comes back is completely healthy and safe. And, but as you said, the Heat are going through this now, and the hope is that they're not going to go through it later. And – and assuming everybody comes back healthy, then maybe there is a, a positive byproduct of this where we know that Jimmy's ankle was really a problem. We know that, you know, the knee was flaring up. Like there were, there were certain things, the shoulder, things with Jimmy that, that either he hurt or wasn't able to fully rest during the season. He's been able to get a bit of a break. And, yeah. you know, these next spasms for Tyler, hopefully they get better soon. And yet it's, it's less wear and tear on his legs while, while he's getting healthy. So, you know, I, I think as, as rough as things have been, 
the NBA regular season has always been about individual performances and the fun storylines, like the trash talking. And over the last few years, the fun stuff on social media and, you know, guys going for, for 50, 60, 70 points. Like that's what the regular season about the playoffs are about winning, get into the playoffs, be healthy, start peaking. And what we've seen from BAM over this last week, week and a half, I think probably gives you a better shot at doing all of that and making another run than maybe had we just gone through this whole thing and, and he was kind of playing the, the second, third, or fourth option on offense the entire time. Can, can I tell you something, though, Clay? And I'll be honest with you, I, I hate the sound. I guess we've been so positive so far that this is the one negative thing that I'll get into. And I don't know if you agree with me or not, because, you know, we're always texting during not just Heat games, but just in general NBA conversation. And I know the Harden trade was a big storyline, and that made for fun drama. And, you know, the uncertainty around that before it happened. But I, I haven't enjoyed this NBA season. I just haven't. I agree. And it's, not, and it's not because – I know that's easy to say for, you know, we follow the Heat. We're, you know, we love seeing the Heat play well. We cover the team. We like the guys. We want to see them do well. It's not really based on just the fact they're struggling. It's based on the fact that we're getting robbed of so many good games, like showdown games. And I know that game over the weekend – the Brooklyn Miami game where Bam had the 41 turned out to be a good one, but man, it was just missing seeing Jimmy out there and Tyler time. And look, I'm talking about the heat, but we see it in other aspects of the league as well, where key guys and players and teams have to play shorthanded games are getting postponed left and right. It's just not fun. And here's a big reason why we understand COVID. You just can't control it. You try to work around it. I understand that everybody's doing their best in every pro league. But we got spoiled with the bubble setting where you never had to sweat that. They're the one league yeah. where, you know, the NFL, even rooting for your teams this year, all week you're kind of holding your breath. Man, I really hope that there's not like some report that there's six guys with COVID or there's an outbreak. And, you know, you're always kind of holding your breath with that. In the NBA, in the bubble, we got spoiled. You never worried about that. They had it perfection, the system. Now, every game you look at the schedule, you know, we could sit there and point the February 20th game against the Lakers, right? Who knows? Lakers could be missing five guys. He could be at four guys out. You just, you, the game might get postponed. You know, those are things that un unfortunately are things you normally don't have to worry about in an NBA season, that the way things are structured, we just have to. Yeah, and I wonder, I wonder what the fix is because I, I think, you know, you, you look back at the Major League Baseball season and the Marlins situation and the Cardinals situation, which, which followed shortly thereafter, were the wake-up calls necessary for them to fix things. And with the NFL, it was a combination of being fortunate that there was only one game per week for each team. So you could move around a lot of these games and reschedule very easily from a Sunday game to a Tuesday, even a Wednesday. So there were, there were clear outs. But then they also tightened up some of their protocols as well. With the NBA, my, my concern is that I don't, I don't know what more you can do. It's just a much different, short of, of practicing and playing in masks at all times, I, I'm not sure what more you can do because it's just such a, it's a much different sport where with football, there was very, very little uh, in, inter-team spread once they tightened up the protocols mm -hmm. with, or intra-team spread. There was no inter-team spread. With baseball, there was no inter-team spread, but there was, there was a bit of intra-team spread at the beginning. They tightened the protocols. The intra-team spread went away. Basketball is just so different. I mean, I mean, they're having a contact trace with guys who guarded guys on other teams. 
And, and that didn't happen at all in baseball or football. And I, I don't know the science. I don't know if that's right or wrong. Yeah, I don't think anybody but in, yeah. in baseball and football, just the act of playing against somebody who you found out later had it never knocked anybody out of a game. And, and in the NBA, that's what we're seeing quite a bit is, okay, well, well, we tracked this player and he was guarding this player on this team who later tested positive, which means we now have to take him out of action for a mandatory seven, 10 days, whatever. And then whoever he was around is now. So it's just like, I, I don't know what the fix is. And, and my concern is that until there's a vaccine, we're just not going to see any semblance of of the type of basketball that we're looking for. And, you know, you know me, I, I've been optimistic about, about sports and really enjoyed, and I still enjoy the fact that they're back and everybody's working hard to make them happen. Um, and I don't think that we're going to see, I, I still don't think we're going to see a pause with the NBA, but out of all the sports that we've seen play, it's the one that I, I could see justifying a pause yeah, I mean, uh, a lot more than the rest. I'll give you a perfect example. We're here taping a pod. Like you said, we tape it on a Sunday night. We're taping the pod, and we get an alert on our phone, NBA Communications, saying the Chicago and Memphis game has been postponed. The game between the Bulls and the Grizzlies that was supposed to be on Wednesday has already been postponed due to contact tracing right. with the Grizzlies and the length of time preceding the game, which Memphis will be unable to practice. So, I mean, this is three days out. You know, and that's that's the problem. And, I, you know, you said the vaccine. And, look, I know when it comes – we're talking sports. We're talking entertainment. We're talking fun. We're not talking real life here. Real life, right. there's been the push to try to get the vaccine out there to the older, uh, obviously 65-plus. We've had family members, fortunately, who've gotten it. That's the priority, the health and safety of our senior citizens. Then you work your way – you know, people with, obviously, preexisting conditions. You get into kids and adults. You hope that – and sometime by the summer, there's some sense of normalcy with people getting the vaccine. You have to wonder, though, if after that break, if the NBA makes it through this first half of the season where they had that two-week break or whatever they're having before the second half, do they consider then saying, hey, there's been enough of the vaccine out there. We don't. It's not about cutting the line, but maybe we should go ahead and get the vaccine and get our players vaccinated and feel better for the second half of the season. Still have protocols, still wear masks on the bench, still do those things but maybe then you will see a change in that. Now, that's all stuff that's obviously be above our pay scale and, and as far as the, the, the ability to get the vaccine, what's going to happen in the next couple of months. But I think short of something like that, like you said, this is going to be a very frustrating NBA season. And I think we very well could see some sort of bubble in the playoffs, uh, whether it be the finals themselves or just the, you know, the, the conference finals and on, because the way this is now, it's just maddening the way it's happened. And again, Big picture, health is all that matters. Player safety, players family safety, coaching staff safety, I get it. But the league has decided to move forward and you want to try to put your best product out there. And unfortunately, right now, we're just not seeing it across the NBA. We're just not. And, and it's tough. It's unprecedented and it's difficult. But you hope that somehow that can change because we all want to enjoy our sports. We all want to have a good time. But at the same time, we understand we're in a pandemic. This is, this is uncharted waters. We don't, we're going through this for the first time. No one knows what's right and wrong and how to handle this. Yeah. And, and I think I'll, I'll go back to what I said. This is the first time that I've really, I felt like this, this looks too different. This feels too different, even college football. And, and it was, it was kind of hard with college football because you know, the big part of college football is the fans and, and you know, the pageantry. And, um, you know, it, I'm a Virginia Tech guy. Hurricanes fans grew up going to the Orange Bowl where the atmosphere is, 
is so much more a, a part of the game itself. Um, but watching the product on TV, I, I didn't feel like there was quite the drop off in college football to where I just felt like, oh, forget all of this. Let's, you know, it's not even worth trying. There have at least been times with this NBA season where I was just like, man, this just doesn't feel, this feels too different. This feels too watered down. It, it feels like, like you said, guys are playing that probably should not be playing. Um, and so I, I hope that we get to a point where these protocols are such that the contact tracing, and again, I, I don't know enough about the science, but I'm hoping that one positive test or one person who is pulled out because of contact tracing does less damage to the rest of the roster because of the protocols that they've, that they've now taken, if that makes sense. And like, by no means am I saying that people should play who have been scientifically put at risk. But what I'm hoping for now is that with these new tighter protocols, maybe you decide, you know what, we're not going to practice anymore. All of our meetings are going to be virtual and, and guys aren't going to be around each other. Right. I know people are making fun of the whole handshake thing after the game. Look, man, if that, if that keeps one star from missing one game or two or three, you know what? It's worth it. And so I, I don't have a problem with them taking every single precaution because what I, my hope will is that we're just able to cut down on, on the big players missing the big games just a little bit more because the scientists who know this stuff can green light it and feel like it's it's safe enough for the most people to play as humanly possible. Yeah, and I think, you know, we've gotten into more of extended discussion, but it's, I think for those listening, it's something that's gone through the minds of people because, again, it's fun that basketball's back. It's great to talk heat. It's great to see it, but I think the NBA has a problem with its hands. I mean, we all do. We're in a pandemic. But, I mean, I think the NBA, when you're looking at what you're trying to do and play these many games and the protocol you have in place, like you said, is it one that has it? Then you have to contact trace. How many guys are out? Eight is enough all these different things. It's not going to go away anytime soon. It's going to continue to be a headache. So as they keep, you know, begin this new week, look, Clay, I think the, the, the bottom line for Miami is there is a bigger picture too uh, that even when guys come back that I think we have to talk about. And that's that this team has, even as composed with a fully healthy roster, there are some issues and uncertainty with turnovers because your best ball handler consistently is a guy in Goran Dragic who's really more of a scorer and a guy that for now you don't want to give big minutes to, at least not nightly, and you preferably have him coming off the bench to be able to use him in those spurts and then obviously the closed games. So that means you're getting more of the positionless, you know, Bam will hold the ball a little bit, you know, Jimmy will have the ball, Tyler will be that guy to start when he's healthy, uh, Avery Bradley will come up with the ball at times. I mean, there are different guys will have the ball as they come up the court. While that's great, it also leads to, I think, a little confusion as far as, you know, movement with the ball, finding guys, and the consistency in ball handling. I'm not sure that just getting everybody back will automatically fix the turnover problem with this team. That's number one, Clay. And number two is, I'm not sure if getting everybody back will fix the rebounding problem with this team. There are some fun Right, and so let's... With this team. Oh, by the way, the no, last I, play I, is the three, defending three-point shooting getting out to guys and defending three-point shooting. Those are problems that I don't know if just getting everybody back automatically fixes. And I honestly will, and this is – I'm not an I told you so guy, and I, but I, I had a bad feeling when Jay Crowder left. And, and, and I understand, look, you, 
I don't blame him at all. You take a three-year deal. Absolutely. You take that deal. And I understand why Pat Riley is trying to maintain flexibility. Looking at it strictly from a roster perspective, I, it, it, it bothered me because it felt like he was kind of that, that chess piece that, that you, no matter what lineup you went up against, he could do something really well to hurt what the other team did. He could guard a big man and, and use his, his center of gravity to, to keep those guys uncomfortable on the block. He could go out on the wing. He could make Giannis uncomfortable. Like, all of these things. And, oh, by the way, he could also shoot the three-pointer and, and space the floor. So, to your last point, I think they're missing Jay Crowder. And, and I don't know how you fix that. Um, the rest of it, it's, okay, any particular – we're segueing here into what happens with the roster, right? And so – because the big question you get a lot, and I know I get a lot on social media, is oh, who are we going to trade for now? Like, how do we make this roster better? And I, I think the any trade that you make, and this delicate dance that, that Riley is going to have to dance this year is we don't we don't want to trade anything of value unless it's going to bring back something or someone or someone's who are going to lead us to a championship, who we feel very confident are going to take us to a level where we feel like we can win a championship. And so, you know, the, the name Bradley Beal gets thrown around all, all the time. Well, what we've seen for the first half of this season, first quarter of the season, does not make you pursue Bradley Beal any harder. The problem is Bradley Beal has not been available, and he's still yeah. not available. So – so, Will, I guess the question I have, and, and I think the, the question that Pat Riley is going to have to kick around a little bit is, you know, if you do decide to, to make a small move here or there, how far do you go and, and what is your return going to have to be in order to justify giving up an asset or two? Like Kyle Lowry, you're going to hear that name a lot. DeMar DeRozan, potentially. I mean, these are the names we heard in the offseason. A, a LaMarcus Aldridge. Like, do you give away assets that could potentially down the line net you a Bradley Beal for the sake of, of making this roster just a little bit better with one of those guys? And honestly, that's a question I don't have an answer to. No. And, you know, and the thing too, Clay, is, is that as we wrap it up now, and this is a discussion that I think we're going to have a lot of talk about in the next couple of months. As the Heat, I think we both agree we'll improve and as they get healthier, we'll win more games. But the NBA has shown something in the last year with star players you got to give up a lot of assets to get them. You know, you got to give yep. up a lot of picks, a lot of players, a combination of picks and players that the Heat, especially when it comes to the picks part, don't necessarily have. They have their players they really like that, that other teams will value. Obviously, Tyler Duncan, those are guys that you hear a lot about. You know, Precious Achua is a nice young player. Is it Kendrick Nunn, the way he's playing now? Does he get in some package? You know, but it's going to take a combination, if not all those guys, along with picks. At what point will Pat Riley feel comfortable enough to say I feel that the team that went to the NBA finals just four months ago three months ago whatever it was needs to make that kind of drastic change to have a shot to do it again I'm not sure we get to that point unless unless it's Bradley Beal I think that's the player that if he comes out if they struggle the Wizards do and man they've been a mess between COVID and not playing well uh, if he comes out and says I don't want to be here remember he's just signed a big big deal recently if he comes out and you got to try. You got to make that call. You got to make that effort. 
I just don't know the answer, Clay. I don't know what Pat Riley will feel comfortable with because if we've learned anything of late is, man, you got to give up a lot of picks. you got to give up players. you got to give up pretty much every asset you have to your name to be able to get a star player. And the Heat's assets are worth a lot to Pat Riley because this is a championship-level team already when healthy, and you wonder if he'll pull that trigger. I think that's the biggest question from now in the next few months until the playoffs finally do get here down the road. And to the point that we started this whole thing off with, until you have that full roster together, you just don't know what this team is. Yep. And, you know, as much as I, I, I said a second ago, I think they missed Jay Crowder, it's hard to know how much, how much they missed Jay Crowder because we haven't seen the rest of the lineup that was around Jay Crowder in the bubble together yet this season for more than a few minutes. So, yeah, and, and so I guess if you're, you're, you're kind of looking out towards the rest of the season – and with the trade deadline coming up, it's like, are, are they even going to have a chance to see what this, this full roster together looks like to see if Pat Riley can even decide if a little tinkering yeah, is, is worth doing and, and giving up an asset for. But yeah, to your, your final point there, yes, it takes a, a lot of assets to get a star. And the, the stuff that was kind of rumored that was being asked of the Heat for James Harden, I was all in on potentially going after James Harden. I was not all in on giving up half the roster plus yeah. all of your draft picks that you could like, cause then you don't have a team around and then you're dealing with some of the stuff Brooklyn's dealing with. And they're going to have to deal with, which is you know, they don't have much depth. So yeah. it has to be a Bradley Beal beyond that. You need to see what this team is going to be. You need to see what they look like before you decide to give up an asset or two for any tinkering for the stretch run. Yeah, and I'll, let's end it with this, Clay. This team's not scared of anybody. This team has full confidence that when they're healthy, and it might be misguided, it might, it might not be legit. You know, it may be something that they can't actually prove come playoff time, but certainly with what they did last year, this team believes that when they have everybody together, Jimmy's got that dog mentality that he's going to say, guys, we're doing this again. We are. Don't forget, no matter what anybody says, we are the team to beat in this conference because we are the defending conference champs. We have the same kind of guys back. We, we came back with a lot of these guys. It's our chance to do it again. So I, I'm not at all in panic mode. I get why Heat fans are frustrated. I'm frustrated too. We're frustrated. It's tough to watch at times. But hopefully players come back soon and we can see this Heat team get rolling. Hopefully then we'll be able to talk some podcasts where we're talking about Jimmy Butler's play and that about him missing action. So that'll do for Miami Sports Pod. The Heat, uh, tough you know, road ahead in the next week. They've got some tough games. Clippers, you have the Nets that second game, the Clippers as well. They got Denver as well. There's some tough games coming up for Miami and hopefully they get bodies back, start winning some games and then the schedule eases up a bit in February. So for Clay Ferraro, I'm Will Manso. We appreciate you listening to the Miami Sports Pod.